What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of How on Infinity, the podcast dedicated to everything sports and nerd culture. I'm your host, Jacob Knight, and we've got a great episode on for you today, folks. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest in sports with Cam Newton signing to the Patriots and two prominent college coaches saying that Black Lives Matter. They're going to transition into some video games. We're going to give you my thoughts and reactions of The Last of Us 2 so far, and then we're going to do a topic I've been wanting to do for a couple months now, my top 10 video games that I have ever played. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Yes, 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 that time of week again, everybody. Episode 58 of the High on Infinity podcast, the podcast dedicated to everything sports and nerd culture. Like always, I am your host, Jacob Knight. Your first time listening to the podcast, welcome to the podcast. And if you are a returning listener, we're glad to have you back for a great show. And once again, thank you for all the likes, retweets, shares, and subscribes on social media. That means the world to me. And I usually say this uh, at the end in the outro, but a lot of people don't listen to the outro. You know, like even when we watch shows, once the credits hit, we just skip to the next episode. But I'm going to say all the social media stuff at the beginning of the show uh, this week. Uh, make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at High Infinity Pod. And make sure to follow me, the host, Jacob Knight, on Twitter and Instagram at so, at so yeah, I'm Asian. Like I said, any, any support means the world to me. So hope everybody's doing good this week. I'm doing pretty good myself. Um, like I said last week. On a podcast, I went axe throwing this past weekend. It was pretty fun, I cannot lie. And yes, I did wear my mask. And we was the only group in that building. Let's say, I think it was like 20, 25 people that have, you know, we was the only, yeah, only group in that building with a mask on. And let me just say this, just because, you know, you don't want to wear a mask, you know, which is your health and your choice, please don't try to convince other people to indulge in your stupidity of not wearing a mask. I saw a guy on Facebook the other day, but he's saying like, if you're healthy, you don't need to wear a mask outside. Well, you do know COVID-19 is asymptomatic, meaning that you can have it and not show any symptoms. And God knows how many people got the virus and is not showing any symptoms or how many people are showing symptoms, but haven't got it tested yet because they think it just, they just got the sniffles for a couple of days. But I'm not going to get on a, a rant about that. It's not in the time and the place for that. Uh, this, like I said, it's the podcast about sports and nerd culture. Let's talk about Avatar. Yes, I've been watching. Well, that's not a topic. I've been watching. Uh, like I said, I've been watching Avatar for the past three weeks. Fantastic show. I'm almost done with it. I think I got like four episodes left. So I'm probably going finish to that, finish that up this week and talk about it a little bit on it next week. But with it being July 1st, well, recording on July 1st, we are officially halfway through the infamous year that we call 2020. Uh, this is... Not how we thought this this dude decade was going to start out with. This is not according to plan. You know, of course, in January, we had a death of Kobe. And then COVID-19 hit about February, March. March, all the sports got canceled. Uh, like I said, the world got shut down. And in the middle of a pandemic, we had the murder of George Floyd. So crazy year so far. So every time, like every time in 2020, we said, well, this can't get any worse. It has gotten worse. And just for fun... I listened to the last episode I put out in 2019 where I did a topic that I was looking into all the good things going to happen in 2020, all the movies, shows, video games, etc. Basically, half that segment did not happen. I said my goal was to do 12 to 15 movie reviews this year. So far, I only did one. That was Birds of Prey back in February. But the theaters are opening back up in the middle, thinking later on this month. So, I, so it's still possible to do that. But I probably won't be going to the movie 
to the movie theaters until later on, like way later on this year, probably November or December, probably. And uh, with the lack of topics throughout this pandemic, I had to get creative coming up with getting topics for the show throughout this time. And since uh, I feel like I handled that situation well, putting out content, even though we're in the middle of a pandemic. And since we're entering, entering the second half of the year, hopefully things will get better. I'm usually an optimist, so I think things will get better. It's like it's like it's like how they always say it's not how you start, it's how you finish. So let's apply that to the year of 2020. Let's go out, let's wear our mask until this pandemic is officially over. Let's go vote in November. I always say this every time voting comes around. Remember, you cannot complain if you do not vote. Let's try to turn uh this year around in the second half of 2020. Let's make this the greatest comeback ever. So moving on to our first topic. Uh, the ways in sports news. Cam Noon. Let's talk about him for a second. Well, first, uh, there's not been too much NFL news going on lately. I think the NFL is set to start. I think the NFL is still dead set starting at the at the beginning of September with fans in attendance, which I'm still skeptical about that. Uh, the CDC, uh, they said they don't want crowds no more than ten people, and you're trying to and you're talking about having what fifty or sixty to eighty thousand people in an enclosed space two months from now. And I have to question on like, how many people in that crowd will have a mask on. The NFL hasn't said that uh, masks are requirements to be worn by fans in attendance. I wouldn't see them making it mandatory because that may affect their bottom line, which is that money, unless they they sell you know team official masks. Because but but you have people getting mad at the grocery store uh, when they told to wear a mask. Imagine someone favorite NFL team told them you have to wear a mask and to come watch them play. But nothing is set in stone yet. Uh, there is an NFL season. We are going to have some new faces in new places. But now we're talking about Cam Newton. Yes, Cam Newton has signed with the New England Patriots. Cam Newton was released by the Carolina Panthers earlier this year. The team got new higher-ups, you know, general manager, and a new head coach. And usually when new people come in, they want to bring in the players that they want. And Cam Newton was unfortunately not in the Carolina Panthers' future plans. And Cam was released and he sat on the free agency market for about two or three months before being picked up by the Patriots this past Sunday. And people were wondering, like, why like why was Cam Newton just signed now? A free agency starting in March and we're in July. Well, he signed at the end of June, but uh, Cam just signed with a team now. But I, I like Cam Newton personally. He went to Auburn, my favorite football team or college football team. Won a national championship, so I so as an Auburn fan, I'm thankful for Cam Newton. And I root for him, I root for him in the NFL. You know, I support all the black quarterbacks. Um, James Winston still still iffy about him, but all, all the other black quarterbacks in the NFL, I do support. I think Cam Newton can be a top level quarterback when healthy. He's like a unicorn at quarterback. He's like 6'5", 260, with great speed on him as well. He's like a defensive end playing quarterback. And I think one of the reasons why that Cam Newton was on a market for so long because he has been, you know, injury, injury, injury prone the last couple years. I can't lie, Cam Newton has been beat up. He's he was asked to do a lot for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, he was the second the second running back on the field, and sometimes the best running back on the field before Christian McCaffrey showed up. So he was running, uh, you know, running up the middle a lot of times, and you know, all those hits are going to take tolls on your body. Counting all the times you got to you know drop back and throw, and you get hit in the sack while throwing the ball, and also. COVID-19 being a thing, you know, travel restrictions being implemented. Cam could not go to these teams and meet up with them and work out with them and be seen by their team doctor to make sure that he is fully healthy. But the Patriots are giving Cam Newton a chance, and I'm glad 
because Cam Newton is a starting quarterback in the NFL. To me, the Patriots are in a better place than they were with Jerry Stidham at quarterback and asking a second year guy to follow up the greatest quarterback ever in Tom Brady is a tall task. Well, it's a tall task for any quarterback, but especially for a, a first time starter in Jerry Stidham. But Cam Newton is an accomplished player. He's a, he's he was an NFL MVP, took his team to a Super Bowl, multiple playoff appearances. So I think Cam Newton is a suitable replacement for Tom Brady. So how so how good would the Patriots be with Cam? On a previous episode a few weeks back when Brady uh, left um, the Patriots, I said the Patriots probably a six-win team without uh, Tom Brady their first year. Now with Cam, I say they're about a nine, ten-win team probably. May steal a couple games that they weren't supposed to win. But I think defensively, they're still going to be good. Offensively, the running game should be a whole lot better. They got Sonny Michelle and James White running the ball and catching out the backfield. Then they add Cam Newton as a, another running option. And, of course, you got Belichick as the coach. So I think the Patriots will be okay. And I hope Cam, I hope Cam does play well this year. So he can sign with the Patriots or another team um, in a long-term deal. And switching lanes, let's, let's talk about some prominent college football coaches that made some statements this past weekend. Over the weekend, two of the most prominent coaches in college sports today and the history of college in the history of their respective sports, uh, Coach Shevsky or Coach K from Duke and Nick Saban from Alabama put out videos, basically summing up the meaning of the videos. They saying they they saying that Black Lives Matter and Black Lives do matter. They mattered yesterday. They mattered today. They matter tomorrow. And they matter in the future. We'll start off with Coach K from Duke because his video didn't receive as much blowback from what I saw. Uh, he stated. By saying we started the video by saying Black Lives Matter isn't a political issue, it's a human rights statement, which we're trying to get through these people's thick skulls because Black Lives Matter, we're not saying Black Lives only matter, we're saying Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter does not mean does not mean that a black life matters more than a white life, Asian life, Hispanic life, Indian life, etc. It means that hey, we matter too. And throughout the video, Coach K goes over the history of how you know the black community has been oppressed for for uh, over 400 years talking about how others need to stop listen and be a part of the problem no no sorry be part of the solution and not the problem and we need people like coach k a prominent white man in his field to speak up and speak out you know paraphrasing the ben franklin quote justice will not be served until the unaffected are just as outraged as the affected, which we're seeing now. It was a great video to watch. It's coming from a guy that absolutely hates Duke basketball, but you know my issues aside, uh, the issues at hand are bigger than just sports and my personal feelings for Duke basketball itself. And moving on to the other coach, Nick Saban. Of course, we live in Alabama. We all know who he is. Uh, the coach, uh, like I said, coach of the, uh, the Crimson Tide. We all know this man's resume in Alabama. And uh, Friday, he released a video of him and his players, both black, and white reading a letter from one of his players that uh, that he wrote basically the video stated that all lives can't matter until black lives matter powerful statement coming from an auburn fan but like i said this is bigger than sports i remember think saturday down south a news source that covers sec football was one of the first sources that i saw that posted it and i checked it out because you know i live in alabama uh tuscaloosa is probably about three hours away from my house and i have a lot of friends that are alabama fans so after i watched it i just <laughs> I just read the comments, and of course, the usual ignorance, you know, like stick to football. You just lost a fan for over 30 years. I have, you know, I hate when my coach gets involved with politics, you know, stick to just 
recruiting good football players. And I just, I just want to say this right quick. It's not that you don't like your coach when they when they get involved with politics. It's just that you're just mad that their views differ from your views. And these are the same people that cheer on these black athletes on the field, but cheer against them when they want equality. And I'm glad that these two prominent white coaches are showing their support for the black athletes because of, uh, because these two men, both coach uh, Kay and Nick Saban, uh, they wouldn't be where they're at today without the black athlete. Uh, granted, Coach K's most notable player at Duke was a white athlete, Christian Leitner, but Coach K wouldn't be where he's at today. Garnet is probably the greatest college football Garnet as the greatest college basketball coach of all time without the Grant Hills, the Jay Williams, the Kyrie Irvings, the Brandon Ingrams, the Jason Tatums, the Zions, and, you know, the list goes on and on. And take away all the black players off the Alabama football team. I guarantee you, uh, they're, they're, they're a three-win program at best. And Saban, wouldn't have, and Saban would not have those five national championships at Alabama without the black athlete, without the Julio Joneses, the Mark Ingrams, the Derrick Henrys, the Jalen Hurtses. I'll throw two in there. And the list goes on and on and on. But I'm just happy that the, the black community is getting so much support from outside the black community. I know outside the black community, I'm not trying to say that, that people like white people and other people are saying Black Lives Matter because it's the cool well, I don't want to say the cool and trendy thing to say at the moment because, you know, to the black community, it's not a trend. This is a fight they've been doing for over 400 years. But I do believe change is going to come. It may not come tomorrow or the next week or the next month. It's, it's going to be a long, it's going to be a slow process, but I believe change is going to come. Okay, so like I said last week, I received my copy of The Last of Us 2 a few days late. The game came out on a Friday, and I got my game that Monday. And at the time of recording last week, I only played probably about three four, three hours of the game. So I really couldn't get like a full, in-depth first reactions of the game. But since the game came out, I heard good things. I heard a lot of good things about the game. The game sold over 4 million copies, which was a record uh, for the PlayStation 4. And the critics loved the game, but some of the fans... They gave it mixed reviews, and to be honest, the game did have a lot of pressure on it. It's following arguably one of the greatest games ever made, and I haven't read the fan reviews because there's spoilers to the game in there, but that doesn't matter to me. As long as you like the game and you, and you feel like you got your money's worth out of the game, that's all that matters, but uh, I have not beat the game yet. If I had to guess, I'm probably about a quarter of the way through the game, I'm just taking my time with it. You know, I don't, I don't like rushing through games. You know, I don't, I don't like getting the game, rushing it, and beating it in a week. I just feel like I just wasted sixty dollars. So I'm just taking my time with the game, just taking it all in. You know, living in the moment of the game. And with games like this, where you have to scavenge, and you know, for your equipment, I like to check every you know nook and cranny of the buildings I go in before moving on. And my first reactions and thoughts to the game so far, I like the game. What I like about the game, the graphics are amazing, both the gameplay and the cinematic graphics. You know, I'm a sucker for a good cutscene in the action of the game. The action of the game is very, very good. It's so brutal and violent. If you like that kind of stuff in video games, you got your face stomping, your throat slitting, people getting bludgeoned, stabbed in the chest, shot in the head, etc., etc. And I remember uh, early criticisms of The Last of Us 2 was saying that uh, the game was too violent, which to me was overblown. The game is rated M for mature. So that's like a big, big red flag that this game is going to be violent. 
And a lot of your post-apocalyptic zombie games, like your Last of Us, Resident Evil's, Dying Lights, Left 4 Dead, are going to be violent. But I don't have a problem with the violence in the game. Um, it's a video game, so it's not real. And there's a lot of good action sequences in the game as well. I'm not going to go over that right now because some of them do contain spoilers. And I'm trying to keep be spoiler free as much as possible until I beat the game. But the gameplay, the gameplay is a lot more fast paced than the first game, especially if, if you're more of the run and gun play style. And since you are playing as Ellie, the game does require a lot more stealth. But sometimes you just got to go in there running and gunning. I'm usually going there running and gunning, but I try to be more stealthy in this game because ammo is scarce at times in this game. So I try to be uh, stealthy to conserve ammo. I remember I was playing a couple of days ago. Like I ran out of ammo because I got caught and I, you know, I had to had to kill the people before I got killed. And um, and I, I had to kill like the last four or five people who were like were just bludgeoning weapons or just be stealthy and, and uh, do a sneak attack kill. But uh, moving on to the story, the story so far is great. It works as a slow burn. If I had to give a well, if I had to guess why some people didn't like the game. Yes, the game starts off slow and it's slow at parts, but it's a slow burn. You know, slow burn is defined as a style where the plot and action develops slowly, methodically, towards an explosive boiling point. Because, I, you know, I'm like, okay, I, I know this is just a slow burn. It's trying to build up to the climax of the game. And the game do, you know, does have that slow burn feel at times. And to me, that's what I like about the game. Like, I don't want all the action right there. I want to just slowly build up to a crescendo towards the end. And I already got to one of the big plot points early on in the game. I'm surprised this happened in the game. Like I said, I'm not going to say it until I beat the game. But I can already tell that this game is not going to end well for a lot of the characters in this game. And one of the characters, I, I, I have a good feeling it's not going to end well. It's one of my favorite characters. Is uh, You know, if you play the game, it's Dina, which is Ellie's girlfriend. Well, they didn't say like they're dating. But, of course, context clues, the way they talk to each other and all that stuff. They're dating because eventually you play is just Ellie and her alone because a lot of the game is just her and Dina. You know, she's your AI with you. And that makes me nervous because, you know, she's one of my favorite characters in the game. I'm going to be sad. You know, she doesn't make it through because her, her and Ellie's relationship is one of the shining moments in the game. Like in the first game, one of the best parts was Joel and Ellie's relationship. This game focuses on her and Dina's relationship throughout this game. And just to wrap things up. Before I go on too long, so far, like I say, I do like the game. I get more and more excited every time I play it. And hopefully, I will finish the game within the next couple weeks. Like I say, I like to take my time during these games. And when I get done, I'll get on here and give you my full thoughts and reactions to the game. And I'll let you know in advance when I do beat the game and talk about it. There will be spoilers, so you have been warned. So in honor of The Last of Us 2 being out... Here's a segment I've been wanting to do for a while now. The top 10 games I ever played. Just me and my opinions. And before we get started, let's straighten a few things out. This is not a top 10 games of all times list. This is just the top 10 games I have ever played in my life. And I'm only counting the games I have beaten. So unfortunately, God of War 4 or God of War on the PS4 did not make the cut. Also, other games that did not make the cut because I never played these games. The Witcher 3 any of the Fallout games, and Red Dead Redemption 2, never got them, never played them, and also Skyrim did not make the list for me because I only played it once, got to about level 3, and I was like, you know what, this game's not my cup of tea, 
And also, I kept the, the list of one game per series, a lot of variety from all kinds of systems. And I based the game, or I based this list on how great the game was as a whole. So the story mode, multiplayer, side missions, and replay value. But before we get into the list, here's a few honorable mentions. And also, spoiler warning, if you haven't played none of these games, I'm about to talk about first honorable mention, Spider-Man 4 on the PS4. This game filled a void in the video game world, an open world Spider-Man game, and uh, the game a game fans wanted for years. And this game was great because the story, the story followed Peter Parker as an adult Spider-Man. Like he's been in the game for a minute when this game starts, and we followed him and his problems outside the suit, like relationship problems, job problems, financial issues, and it introduced Miles Morales, which led to him getting his own game coming out later on this year on the PS5. And this game was great. From the action sequences down to the open world map filled with Easter eggs. Also adding three DLC packs and new game plus. And the replay value is high on this game. The next game in the honorable mention section is Super Smash Bros. Melee. One of the best fighting games ever made. A game that is still played to this day on the pro circuits. And this is the ultimate party game when your friends are over. And this back when we didn't have, you know, online multiplayer, Xbox, no Xbox Live, no PlayStation Plus. I remember just the memories of me and my friends being huddled around a TV playing this game. And the last game on the honorable mention list is Halo Reach. I know a lot of people are like, what about the first three games, Jacob? Well, I got my 360 late. And Halo Reach was the first game I got on my Xbox 360. And the game, this this the game that introduced me to online multiplayer. And the multiplayer in this game was great. From the back, from maps like Sword Base, Reflection, and Countdown, the campaign was really good as well. It was a prequel to the Halo uh, trilogy. And the game was a, was different from all the other games to me. It was so much customization for the player. And that stuck with me throughout these years. And Halo Reach made me the multiplayer player player that i am today now let's get started with the list okay number 10 on the list i have pokemon blue one of the games that launched the pokemon gaming franchise and the very first game i had for the game boy color and the graphics in pokemon games today you know have improved drastically since pokemon blue uh, but the game is a timeless classic this game didn't have all the glitz and the glamour like a lot of pokemon games have today you just had to use your imagination while playing this game. And because the entire game was just a big old shade of blue, the replay value was extremely high when I was a kid. I remember as a kid going on long road trips, going to Florida to see family. I would restart the game at the beginning and see how far could I get in the game before the trip was over or my battery dies out. And just that, and that game taught me a lot of things, like su such as team building and problem solving. Because we all had that time when we played Pokemon. We had that one Pokemon, our starter Pokemon. Yeah, like a level 68 Charizard and all your other Pokemon were just in the mid-20s. And it taught me that, or it taught us that we need each Pokemon, we need to give each Pokemon the same attention because at the end of the day, you know, teams win, not individuals. And the old Pokemon game just had that nostalgia feel that I like so much, uh, that I like so much. Number nine on the list, another Nintendo game, Super Mario Galaxy. The first game I owned on the Nintendo Wii U. Yes, I'm one of the few people that actually had a Wii U. Well, technically, this wasn't my first game on the Wii U. I originally bought Tony Hawk Proven Ground, uh, but when I got home, the game didn't work. So we went back to GameStop. They gave us crap about it. So I got a new game, and the game was Super Mario Galaxy. And this game was fantastic. 
uh, from the look of the game, the level design, the game was just all around fun to play. And it took, and it took you know the old play that plot of the Mario games of Bowser kidnapping Peach, then Mario gonna have to save her, and then you know been there done that and it elevated that to one of the best games they ever put out, or my opinion, the best game that was ever on the Nintendo Wii. Number eight on the list, Resident Evil 4. This game was great. The first Resident Evil game I played, only on the GameCube. Uh, this game was scary as hell. Playing as a kid, I remember playing it with the lights on. I remember as a kid just going through the game, and I, I, I didn't know that you could run until halfway through the game. So after that, I just ran away from everything. But I still had a good time uh, playing this game. Number seven on the list, I have Overwatch. In the world where where every game has multiplayer, Overwatch just stuck out to me. Uh, where most multiplayer games focus on killing your opponents or the other other team, Overwatch put the emphasis the emphasis emphasis on teamwork and strategy base with strategy based matches like capture the flag and games similar to domination. And even with the objective based games, the action was still fast paced and fun. And with a wide variety of characters to fit any play style from offensive to support to tanks. And how they build the world. I'm just, like one of the best parts of Overwatch is how they build the Overwatch world through storytelling without even having a campaign store without even having a campaign was just superb to me. And Overwatch is addicting as hell. When I tell you know when I tell my friends about it, like please get Overwatch. It's so addicting. You have so much fun playing it. And I cannot wait for the sequel to come out whenever it will come out, probably this year or next year. Moving on. Number six. On the list of greatest games I ever played, I have Batman Arkham City, the sequel to Batman Arkham Asylum. Arkham City is considered, considered the greatest superhero game ever made. It took everything good about Arkham Asylum and put it on a bigger scale. The story was amazing uh, where you were able to play as multiple Batman characters. You played as Batman, Catwoman, down to Robin and Harley Quinn in the DLC pack. And you got good replay value if you ordered the Game of the Year edition like I did. We're all the DLC came with the game and also that mr freeze boss fight still one of the hardest boss fights i ever had in a video game now moving on to the top five video games i ever played number five i had metal gear solid 2 sons of liberty when i say i say multiple times i am a sucker for a good cutscene in video games and this is the video and this is the reason why metal gear solid 2 metal gear solid has some of the best cutscenes in video games. Some of their cutscenes are about 10, 20 minutes long, and I don't mind it one bit. I'll sit back and watch it. I guess my favorite movie. And this is one of the first games I played that I felt like I was playing a movie instead of a game in a good way. And the storytelling in this game is just fantastic from the first half where you played as Silas Snake down to the second half on an oil, oil rig where you played as the new character Raiden, throwing great villains such as Vamp, Fat Man, and Silas Snake. And this is the first game that actually felt sad when the character died. I'm speaking of when Vamp killed Otacon's sister and she died in his arms. Really sad moment in video game history. In the last arc, the action was outstanding leading up to the final battle against Solid Snake. Number four on the list, I have Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. MW2, until this day, I say is the best Call of Duty game ever made. The reason why I say this is because it's the best all-around Call of Duty game with some of the later games focusing more on multiplayer. The campaign sort of suffered from that. But Modern Warfare 2 is good, is great all around the board from the Spec Ops mission to top notch. The multiplayer in this game is legendary from the weapons such as the M4A1, the 
UMP-45, or I'll call it the UMP-45, the Intervention Sniper Rifle, and the Model 1887, just to name a few. And down to the also the legendary maps, such as High Rise, Rust, and the ever so popularly ever so popular terminal and also the multiplayer was simplistic but in a good way none of that fancy armor no 19 attachments on a gun no super suits just back in the day all i needed was that ump 45 with stopping power and sleight of hand playing on rust and we were all good and lastly the campaign the campaign was riveting uh when i got this game when i got the game in the beginning I didn't have online access and I had no Xbox Live, no internet. So I played campaign over and over and over again. And I beat the campaign probably about five or six times on all types of difficulty, regular, hardened, veteran. And the story of Modern Warfare 2, the, yeah, the story they told was amazing. You had iconic characters such as Soap, Captain Price, and Down the Ghost. That was the crew right there. And you had some of the some of the great uh, some of the greatest missions in Call of Duty, like the favela, the gulag, and the safe house mission where General Shepard, with the greatest heel turn in video game history, when he shot you after completing probably the one of the hardest missions in the game. And please, Infinity War remake Modern Warfare 2 on the PS5. I don't want just the campaign, I want the whole entire game remade. Please listen and learn and do it um moving on number three we have uncharted 2 among thieves by far the best uncharted game in the franchise which is a very good game franchise all the games are top notch and the, and this game this game felt like you was playing an action movie from the start we wake up on a train about to fall off a cliff down to eventually you play well, well, well that that scene there is technically in the middle of the game then you play the mission leading up to that part, and that mission is one of the best missions in the series. Throwing some good gunfights and car chases, add a really hard boss at the end of the game. You got yourself an all-time great game. Number two, runner-up on the greatest video games I ever played, The Last of Us. This game made me feel some type of way. From the start, where Joel's kid dies in his arms, down to the final mission where you had to rescue Ellie from the Fireflies. Hospital. I remember that final mission like it was yesterday. I felt like Ellie was my kid. That's how invested I was in this game. And I came in that hospital strapped to the T. I was strapped with AK-47, Molotov cocktail shotguns, and a crossbow. And I wasn't leaving that hospital without her. But that game was great. And of course, you know, it spawned the sequel that just came out uh, a couple weeks ago. And I'm enjoying playing that game. And the gold medal, the greatest game I have ever played is Bioshock Infinite. This was very close between Bioshock Infinite and The Last of Us. The reason why I chose Bioshock Infinite is because the ending still has me scratching my head until this day, until this very day. The basic premise of Bioshock Infinite was basically played as a man named Booker, and he had to go to this floating city called Columbia. We had to rescue this woman called Elizabeth. And I know a lot of people talk about they like the first Bioshock game, which is a very good game. As well, but I preferred the open the open atmosphere of Bioshock Infinite rather than the closed quarters. Like I felt claustrophobic when I played the first Bioshock, which was you know that was that was the thing there there was there was going for. But in Bioshock Infinite, a lot of crazy stuff happens. Uh, it's revealed that Elizabeth is Booker's daughter that was taken away from him years ago, and the game ended with a crazy mission where you had to guard a power core while an onslaught of enemies attack you. Then it's revealed that. The bad guy is basically you from another dimension. Then it gets really crazy. And I can't explain it in detail. It'll take me forever. But basically, 
Bioshock Infinite is a beautiful game to play from the steampunk, the steampunk setting to the music down to the atmosphere of the game in, in itself. And this is why, well, all those factors roll into one is why Bioshock Infinite is the greatest game that I have ever played. Thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. I greatly appreciate you taking time of your very busy day to give this podcast a listen. Please like, subscribe, share the podcast, tell your family, tell your friends about the podcast, follow the podcast on all the social media platforms with new ones coming soon. And I will see y'all next week and y'all stay safe out there.